0: Beep boop 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 beep boop. Hello. 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 Why don't I hear anything?
1: I think I'm here oh. now. Oh, there you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fooled you.
1: You had a you had a mute on. Um, it's worse than that. It's it's a technical failure on my part. <laughs> what was the mic not plugged in? It's. Do you really care? Yeah, I do. Really? Oh, I like I like to know about glitches. <laughs> yeah, an amateur technologist no more. Uh, I had the wrong uh, audio input set up in Skype, and so my hmm. USB microphone was not used as the audio input. Oh boop.
0: well i was i I thought it was me mm. because Dave Bazan was over here the other day and he was trying to uh, target disk mode some files He knows in-
1: about target disk mode
0: into my computer and wow. he hot plugged mm. my um my fireface uh, <laughs> uh, firewire interface huh. And so I was like, oh, shit. You know, back in the old days, if you hot plugged something, <laughs> if, you hot, if you hot jacked it, then maybe it, uh, maybe it, it, it frizzed your whole uh, motherboard. I was super concerned that my motherboard was frizzed, and that's why I couldn't hear you.
1: Right. Well, you know, you got to be careful if you're doing any kind of hotboxing on the pop board. You want to yeah. make sure that you've got a, a full USB bus uh, yeah. on, on your trigger bite. That's what wow. I was worried Wow. Yeah. So anyway. So how'd yeah. it go? Did, was he able to uh, – uh, that, that's that's a tremendous thing, uh, Firewire uh, Target Disc mode. Was he So he's getting some songs off to give you probably.
0: Yeah, and we, what we ended up doing—this is the thing that's embarrassing—is that we, we were sitting around here. We couldn't figure out, you know, in my in my octopus's garden of seven thousand <laughs> cables, seven thousand different versions of FireWire and and USB cables. Here, uh, we couldn't figure, we couldn't find the right cable, and then he pulled out one of these little USB drives that's the size of a you know a house key. And he was like, "Oh, I think I can put. I think I put four gigs of stuff on this," and I was like, "Oh, I got a couple of those around here too." And and, and we did it all on those little, those dumb little, totally losable uh, USB drives.
1: Did Did that make you feel like a wizard or a doofus or, or something in between? <laughs> um, I think I feel like a wizard when I can do that. I it,
0: it's definitely amazing. Yeah, but it it but. But I looked at this. I looked at this room full of gizmos in boxes and cabling and all this like uh, all this gear. And then I looked at the little USB drive, which has an entire album on it. And I was like, uh, I, I feel a little bit slow. Yeah. I feel a little bit dumb now because this thing. I mean, you know, Jonathan Colton gives away those USB drives with his entire catalog on them. That's smart. It's amazingly smart, but but the equivalent at Barsook is uh, that they sell you reel to reel tapes <laughs> in a in a box that has its own wheels.
1: <laughs> so, uh huh. You know those those sprockets can be real hard to replace. <laughs> you know you have to oil them. Got to oil your sprocket. That's that's nice that they're doing that though. They're moving forward, right? We're all moving forward, mm, like it or not. Can't help moving forward. No, sir. Wow, I'm glad we did this. I'm yeah, glad we well, did this, John.
0: And you know what? You know what, Merlin? I'm mm. sitting here and in front of me are two comic books. Mm. On my desk, two comic books.
1: Two comic books? Two
0: separate are you, com-
1: are you taking? Are you doing this to take me somewhere where you're going to provoke me or are you, you being straight up?
0: My first comic book here is Joe Sacco's Palestine, mm. a graphic novel. And then there's one over here. Shigeru Mizuki Mizuki's Mm. onward towards our noble deaths with these uh,
1: with these gifts
0: they were but I am I have decided here's what I've decided I always loved graphic novels from the very beginning you know and 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 what what am I trying to say like um like American Splendor or Dennis Eichhorn. We talked about Dennis Eichhorn. Sli-
1: uh, sometimes they call them Slice of Life comics. A, of it's life. kind of a silly name, but they're like, you know, like the Harvey Pekar stuff. It's like, you know, real world, real like, world people, people in it and stuff. Yeah.
0: And I, I always liked that stuff. And then that, that and R. Crumb, of course, being my introduction to it and, and, the, and the greatest, and the great American hero. But now I've decided that graphic novels are an are an art form that everyone else is enjoying, and I am not enjoying them out of just out of a spirit of curmudgeonliness. Wow, because I go to bookstores and I see the graphic novels which now which used to be like four titles it used to be it used to be mouse <laughs>
1: Mouse Watchman and two others <laughs> yeah Mouse Watchman
0: <laughs> and then like the Ar greatest greatest dancer Fritz the cat you know right and um and now, now it's like a, uh, it's a, it's a whole wall of the bookstore that stretches to infinity. And I look at it and I go, you know what? It's probably all manga. It's probably <laughs> all just, uh, uh, just dumb porn and, and, uh, It's
1: like and- octopuses having intercourse with schoolgirls on ships. Exactly. And you read it fucking backwards. And you read it backwards. And I don't well, want fuck it. Fuck that. I don't need that in my life.
0: No. But I'm, I'm realizing that I am wrong. I'm being a curmudgeon. And I actually love this art form, and that I need to get over myself. Whoa! And no, it hurts me to say it. And start, um, start participating in this um, this wonderful turn of events. I, uh, a couple of years ago, somebody gave me a graphic novel called Blankets, which was written by a guy in Portland that I know, um, and my friend. Tucker Martin was working on a record that went along with this graphic novel. And it was a heartbreakingly beautiful book. And I was like, and of course, as I read it, I was like, well, this has got to be the exception. There are no octopuses fucking teenage girls in this book. This is about someone uh, losing their faith and uh, f- falling in love for the first time. And I mean, this is... That's too, a this, black
1: swan. There can't be is, any no more of
0: these. Yeah, this is too beautiful. And this guy, <laughs> that this, this book that I have on my table here, the Palestine by Joe Sacco. I read a book. By him one time a few years ago, where he was talking about the war in Bosnia, and it was beautiful and fabulous. And I was like, "Well, this can't be a thing that is normal. This is this has got to be an aberration." And now I'm realizing it's a, it is my taste that is the aberration.
1: Wow, John, this is uh, good on you, man. That's uh, we've talked about this before. We got to be. I think it's good for men of a certain age and ladies to be somewhat circumspect. Mm-hmm. i'm 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 super calcified on a lot of things mm-hmm. i i admire this though and this is you you keep up with the music and now you're looking at the at the more uh sophisticated funny books this is yeah. I'm, I'm this is awesome man yeah i mean so not, not, I'm, just, not just not just not just as a person who's you know always talking about comics i'm just saying it's good for you for for looking at something that's you know a little foreign and silly
0: well yeah and the you know and what i had to what i had to admit was that from the from my very first exposure to this type of book, which probably happened in college, I don't think I was. I don't think I got, I met Harvey Picar and Dennis Eichhorn until I was yeah in college. But I immediately identified with the form, and I wanted to make a graphic novel of my own, or I wanted to make a a uh, autobiographical oh long form comic book of my own. And I didn't know how to do it. I'm not. I I, I am a. I can draw, but I'm not a drawer and i was like this you know this is like the great this is the great art form and i i think i i think maybe my disappointment that i never was able to figure out exactly how to put the pieces together to actually do a book like that of my my own caused me to turn my back on it a little bit hmm. because i was because i was like oh uh, it's so i'm so mad
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I I think I think you you got your finger on something uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I think I I think that can certainly happen with music. I I bet it sure as heck happens with films. You know, filmmaking or anything like that. The vocab you understand, you know, you, you've seen this with with the young kids where like you understand the vocabulary or something, you know how to play the tennis racket, but it's really different from spending enough time inside of that process to actually produce something that you don't hate.
0: Yeah, the 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 when you when i when I was young, I, I imagined that the barrier to entry was was imaginative. That the thing that kept you from making films or making graphic novels was that you had you didn't have enough imagination yet. You hadn't you didn't have a great good enough story. But you realize later that the barrier to entry is often just uh, structural. It's just it's technical. Like you don't know how to work a camera. And you can look at a scene and say, "This is how. This is the picture. I imagine the picture." But I can't. I don't know what an f-stop is. I can't take that. I can't take the picture. And to, to say that the barrier to entry to making a graphic novel is that you don't know how to draw is mm-hmm. is is pretty um, like uh, no duh. But but also, I mean, if I had if I had been working on this for twenty years, I would have. I would have developed an ability to draw well enough to accomplish when I was you
1: might shooting. be, a, you might be a, a retired comic book artist at this point, yeah,
0: right, but instead I was like oh, sorry never graphic, graphic graphic novelist a, a, a retired a retired colonel in the graphic <laughs> artist's army so anyway yeah um, i'm i'm having a i'm having a very exciting time uh now letting some of my uh, my the, some of the the hardened calcium. That has Mm -hmm. built up around my idea of comics. I'm having a fun time chipping away at that and reading these wonderful books that have pictures, drawing pictures.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I don't don't want to insert myself into this process. Uh, Mm -hmm. As you know, I'm going to stay out of it. And the way I'm I'm going to reward this by not going on and on about comics with you. And I will wait at least 30 days before I start sending you trade paperbacks you never asked for (laughs) that I think you should read because oh, that's that's kind of a thing that I do now. Oh, wow, well, all right. Well oh, I, I love getting things in the mail. Oh, I love mail. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, I was talking to uh, I was talking to a young person the other day, hmm. and I said, yeah, <laughs> I know. still got this up there. And it's happening more and more, strangely. I don't know Just why. Follow
1: the mustache.
0: but I said, uh, I said, yeah, you know, back in the old days, uh, i uh, you know, I used to have dinner in this particular cafe so much that when people were traveling, Uh, And they wanted to send me letters, they would send the letters to this cafe instead of, because they didn't know where I lived, I moved too much, but they would send me, they would send letters to this cafe and care of me. And the young person said, oh, did, did, uh, did you and your friends, like, were you into like sending letters and stuff? And, and, and uh, the young person said it in such a way as to betray that they thought that sending letters was like a, like a pretty cool Gimmick, like a pretty cool like shtick.
1: Well, I mean like almost like it was something retro they might want to yeah. pick up, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like knitting or something.
0: Yeah, like like it was like it was artisanal emailing. <laughs> <laughs> and I said I said, well yeah, we, we did. We sent letters back and forth because that was the that was all we had. That was the only way you communicate with someone when they were in once Thailand.
1: You, once you run out of pigeons or signal flags.
0: <laughs> like they sent me they sent me uh postcards because otherwise I didn't hear from them for 9 months. And the and this person like you saw them kind of look off and go, "Oh. Right." Right. Well, and then look back at me kind of like and you could see that they saw me. They they saw a bowler hat on my head and a monocle and spats. And I was like, "Yeah, I know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm an old person." Nice snuff box. <laughs> I have a. Uh, I still have a box that has a bunch of letter letters from girls in it, tied tied
1: together with a little ribbon. <laughs> Dear John, you are the biggest asshole ever. <laughs> I burned all mine in a Weber grill. <laughs> You did? Oh God! Yeah, I used to have them uh, in separate uh, boxes by by say, girl let's or say, by time. Say person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, by person. Some of them were big boxes. Some of the really angry ones were small boxes. Yeah, and uh, and then <clears throat> at one point I was you know cleaning out some of my stuff out of my mom's house, and I was like, I I can't pack this. What am I going to do with this? I can't take this home. So I went out and I just uh, started up the grill. You know? Oh yeah, I found some starlight mints and some ticket stubs, and uh, just let her rip. I mean, you know, but, yeah, I, yeah. but I, I, I I, was exactly the same. Now, now, to me, there was a big passing notes culture in mm-hmm. high school. There's a certain way you'd fold the note, you'd pass them between classes, and it became like some kind of a, uh, I don't know, an adenoidal underground railroad where, where you would, st- you know, move messages back and forth.
0: Yeah, I still have several notes uh, collected from that time that uh, it's, it's on one piece of paper. And in the at uh, the top of the paper, in my handwriting, it says... Be My Girlfriend.
1: Hmm.
0: And then it's folded 25 times. And then <laughs> Here's
1: your graphic novel.
0: And then underneath that, written in like a purple pen, is I would not be your girlfriend if you were the last boy on earth. <laughs> and then on, under that is in my handwriting. It says, you know you want to be my girlfriend. Stop being coy, you minx. And then under that, it says you are the grossest boy in this school. (laughs) Why are you writing me notes? And I swear to you, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. And it goes down one side of a, of a piece of notebook paper and up the other. And I'm saying, if I'm so gross, why are you, why do you keep exactly as long
1: as the customer's talking? The salesman (laughs) is still closing.
0: That's right. And she says, I'm doing it because this is boring. And I'm, you know, and I'm transcribing, I'm transcribing this note in my own notebook as evidence. When you, you know, when you try and kill me or whatever. We go back and forth, and this girl ended up being my girlfriend. I have, like, a stack of notes of me wooing her. Wow. She was... My high school girlfriend was much higher status than I was. She was... uh, Going into 11th grade, she was absolutely the queen of our... She was the... She she had a 4.0. She was the president of the junior class. She was captain of the cross-country running team. She was... All these things, she was absolutely the queen, and I was, the, you know, I was as I've said before, last in our class.
1: You were, if and, memory serves, you were essentially asked. They, they, there was that, if I remember right, there was actually a project amongst the teachers and administrators to make sure that you found the door with dispatch.
0: <laughs> That's right. They tried to they, they 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 tried to see if I could spend all of high school in detention, and they realized that that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna work. So like. Let's just keep it moving. Keep it moving out the door, but so so I I set I set my this is you know at, the, at this age I don't I I haven't done a thing like this in years, but I set my sights on her, and I said I'm going to make Kelly Kiefer my girlfriend.
1: It almost never works.
0: No, no, and it, this is very I mean, even ju- if
1: even if not you, but even if one is super creepy. Especially maybe, but it, it almost never works.
0: It was very, it was very, very John Hughes. Because I was a, you know, I had absolutely nothing to recommend me. Like there was no way <laughs> that this girl who sat at the front of the class wearing a an argyle sweater and like had the answer to every question was ever going to ever go on a single date with the kid in the back of the class that had spaghetti sauce on his (laughs) shirt (laughs) and was, you know, was back there going (blog) (blog) And, and yet through this, through these notes, the passing of these notes and my, my relentlessness of just like, listen, you don't think so yet, but one day you will love me. And when it happens i w- I will try very hard not to tease you about all the time all the time that you were sure that this wasn't going to happen i'm going to try very hard not to have this be a thing that that like I make fun of you about later and she was like you are you you are you have so much chutzpah and you are so repulsive that I don't even have the words to reject you as fully as I want to reject you." and i was like that's fine that's fine you just keep talking little lady <laughs> and little by little and she said the turning point she 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 maintained this she maintained this like impenetrable wall until christmas break and she and her family went to mexico and they were sitting in a hotel and at this during my junior year i was famous citywide in anchorage for being the master toilet paperer, I would enter a neighborhood and I would toilet paper that neighborhood absolutely into submission until until people were like, Finn, please. You know, I would knock on somebody's door, a kid I knew, and I would say, hey, man, I'm out toilet papering the neighborhood. I'm out of toilet paper. Can I borrow some toilet paper? And the kid would like go inside and bring me out a big 12-pack of toilet paper and be like, yeah, go get them, man. And they'd shut the door and I would start toilet papering their house with their own toilet paper. I was a terrible, terrible teenager. And Kelly said she was sitting in a, in a condo in Mazatlan with her family. And they were looking out over the beach. And a single roll of toilet paper came from higher up in the hotel. And she saw it fall in front of her balcony. And as it fell, she realized that she loved me.
1: <laughs> like a shooting star. <laughs> it was like a shooting
0: star. And she, she said from that moment on uh, that... You know, I owned her body and soul, and I had no idea. I was still back in Anchorage. Like, do 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 When you know, when school starts again, I'm going to resume my letter writing campaign. And she came back, and and apparently, you know, she saw me in a new light. Her 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 new eyes did not see the spaghetti sauce, or loved it.
1: And did it last for a while?
0: It did. I mean, she was my she was my only girlfriend in high school. Is
1: this the Irish the Cornrows? Girl? Yeah, this
0: is the red-headed cornrows girl, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you know, she now is a, she is a, uh, well, as far as I understand it, she is the chief of residence at Dartmouth Hospital and is a, one of those people. One of the people that wears a white coat that has pens in the pocket. <laughs> one of
1: the people that might treat you for free.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and speaks to you kind of in, in clipped, abrupt tones. About your own insides.
1: Is she committed to anybody at this point? Do you do you, do? You, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe It's time to start writing some letters.
0: <laughs> she got married to a wonderful man named Seth. Uh, and uh, I, I actually, I like Seth a lot better than I like Kelly. Aren't that
1: many wonderful men named Seth?
0: Well, this and the thing is, uh, this Seth had every strike against him. He a has a ponytail. B is, is from California. Uh C uh, he yeah he is a Seth right you meet him and you're like mmm Seth and he's some kind of brain scientist but not a doctor like a brain scientist who isn't a doctor there's a lot of things about Oh my gosh that must be like being a barren midwife it's exactly what it is like i i look at him all the time and i'm like why didn't you just be why didn't you just go the little extra way and be a doctor if you're going to be a brain scientist but he but that's part of his Sethness you know he's like oh no i really like this <laughs> brain science and i'm like yeah i know but dude a little bit you know be a doctor your epaulets have a little bit more scrambled eggs on them and then everybody gets out of your way and he's like oh i don't want everybody out of my way I, you know. that's
1: such a seth thing to say
0: <laughs> i sit on this stool and i put this stuff from this petri dish to that petri dish i'm like oh,
1: that's really frustrating
0: you don't understand anything but he's it turns out and when when when, uh, when kelly started dating seth i was like this is this is not gonna work this dumb hippie he doesn't know anything and Kelly was like no he's he's nice and i like him. Uh, yeah. Then they got married and they had a couple of kids. Kids are nice and Seth is nice. The only problem is Kelly is a terrible person. Okay. Um but that just goes i mean you, you don't get to be the uh you don't get to be the the chief resident of Dartmouth hospital without being a terrible person mm-mm, i don't think. Mm-mm. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. No, like, I, I do. I mean, like that's that's the kind of profession where you don't go in that to be a, a, a nice corn road lady. That's or, yeah. or or guy. I mean, that's those people are they're animals.
0: Yeah, they're animals. And every she's one of these people. Every time I send her an email, I get an auto reply telling me an auto reply that isn't like out of the office for two days. I get an auto reply that that is like a page and a half of boilerplate telling me that my correspondence. Is confidential and she can't answer emails <laughs> and you know, there's like seven hundred different clauses. And I write I always write her and I say, get a fucking personal email address, asshole. Like yeah, do you she not- might
1: she might have one.
0: Oh, oh you, think, you think I think
1: I think, I think she's only it? got she's a busy lady and she's only got so much purple pen left. <laughs> she's got kids to take care of, coats she's to awful. clean.
0: She's the worst.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. But you know what? I'm proud of you, though. It just shows you that you got you got gumption, you got stick to itiveness.
0: I used to have gumption, Merlin. I used to be
1: You've able got to gumption. Have don't don't be that way. You've got gumption. You just what don't have f- gumption where you expect it to be, and I think that frustrates you. You you got plenty of gumption.
0: Oh, are you are you saying that I might have gumption in areas I don't?
1: I'm not. I'm not even going to go look for the can opener on this one.
0: I have gumption. I have gumption other places. And then in some some, right in the center of my heads up display, there's like a burned hole where the the gumption that I want. You know what? You go to war with the gumption you have, not the gumption you want.
1: That's right. Absolutely. There's the gumption we know and the gumption we know we don't know. know. Right. Yeah. I bet Uh, it helped a lot that she was a runner, that she knew that she could get away if she had to. Yeah. Those people. My wife's a runner. You know, she's like a middle distance runner and did marathons and stuff. And I I think that's part of the uh, why she would why she would even consider you know looking into something like this.
0: Kelly was one of those high school girls that was so full of sass
1: Mm. that she had no. She
0: would take. She would take. I mean, she would sass a rhinoceros to its face. Like she had no compunction. She was. There was no. She had no worries at all. She knew where she was going. She when she she was one of those fifteen year olds that knew she was going to be the chief of residence at Dartmouth Hospital and just get out of her way. And that was you know that, that was definitely part of why she was so interesting to me and what I and and I was uh, trying to overcome the fact that I had no idea even where I was in that moment,
1: I, let alone where I was going. Where did the spaghetti stain come from?
0: Really, I mean, I was sitting there like i don 't know should I start should I take up tobacco or should <laughs> i or should i go should I join the peace corps or should I just like uh should I just die right now to, I've got, to, to quote the
1: great uh, john hughes you didn 't know whether to shit or go sailing that's exa- <laughs> that is exactly right
0: and <laughs> and how how does that recommend you to anybody like hello, how are you i 'm fine
1: i 'm going to be a doctor. what are you going to be uh but you weren't you weren't even but like a uh, what's his name Matt Dillon you weren't even like an outsiders kind of character right you weren't like a leather jacket guy right you were I, you you weren't an orange flight suit guy anymore at this point right you you were a preppy did you dress like a preppy well I dressed
0: like I, I like I do now which is like there's a there's a there's a base coat of preppy right you take the you take the naked person
1: mm-hmm.
0: you, you you put on a base coat a bit of, preppy. of
1: dignity primer
0: yeah and then on top of that you put uh you put a like a second coat of like northwest wool northwest wool necessity and then the top coat is like uh like eccentric bonkers or or ignatius p riley you know like you got you got preppy and then then just wool necessity and then and then, like Bonkers hat, <laughs>
1: right? And bonkers hat, scarf, and then and, just and, uh, the ooh. private, the private comforts that can only come from roomy corduroy.
0: Yeah, and so, and so during the grunge
1: years, like
0: I definitely wasn't grunge, and all the grunge kids were like, "What the hell is that?" But the, but the, but the, but the Bonkers on top of the Northwest wool—it was just like, right, okay, sure. It, 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 there's enough. There was enough like overlap with grunge, with the grunge look that like okay, the boots and the hat. Okay, you're in. Right. And it, and growing up in Anchorage, it was the same thing. Like, well, do you remember when Columbine happened? People were describing those two kids and and the fact that they called themselves the trench coat mafia and they were they right. were obsessed with guns and they felt like outsiders. And I remember at the time thinking. You know, I would have known those kids if I had been at that high school. I would have been friends with them. And in a sense, at my own high school, I was the equivalent kind of trench coat mafia. Where if you asked me, I would have said, yeah, I was, you know, I'm a total outsider. But in fact, I was a functioning member of the school and, and actually an insider. But I, had, I did have a trench coat. And it had a skull and crossbones painted on the back in whiteout. And it was a big skull and crossbones. It, it, I used an entire couple of jars of paint You know,
1: goths make errors, too.
0: <laughs> so, and, 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 I, and I did this, and this is, the, this is the top coat of bonkers, where it was like, sure, trench coat. And it was, it was a, like a World War I trench coat that I bought at an army Navy surplus store. And then I just, I felt like it needed something. And I realized it needed a skull and crossbones. And why, and, and, and what was I going to, how was I going to get the skull and crossbones on the trench coat? Whiteout. Because (laughs) whiteout was, was my main artistic medium at the time, right? Whiteout's everywhere. It was kind of a newer product. Smells good.
1: It's available.
0: Smells good. It has a a brush right there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, you know, at a high school, you you can you can avail yourself of whiteout. Uh, it's an uh, un, unlimited supply.
1: It's not like spray paint where you got to go like show your license or something. You can pick that up anywhere,
0: right? Those your medium and whiteout. You know, I mean it, it. It it's pretty. It's pretty weather resistant. So now try and picture the scene: me walking down the hall of my high school in this. And, and it was it was it was pre Duster era, but it was a very long trench coat. It was ankle length trench coat with the skull and crossbones on the back. <laughs> it is it is ludicrous. It is it is if
1: you if you needed a if you needed a picture in the dictionary next to geek. It's, that... it's complicated though because you're not even sure which part to begin making fun of. Right, but there's so put... there's so many aspects to, to to the layers of bonkers in that. But uh,
0: but but at the same time, you really couldn't make fun of it because I was already six and a half feet tall, and like I had a, I was pretty serious about it. You know, I was pretty serious about like, look out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: look out. Do you see? I am poison.
1: <laughs> I am, it's, it says so right now on the back in out. <laughs> I am da-
0: I am dangerous. Skull and crossbones. What does that mean to you? Do not induce vomiting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so you know. uh, so now try and picture
1: try and picture anybody being interested I in it. I keep picturing Kelly, I gotta be honest with you.
0: And she's this, you know, she's this willowy mm. super high school superstar with auburn hair like a like an Irish setter. And uh and it was you know, and and, and then Breakfast Club came out. And we're at this Breakfast oh, Club. Oh god. And here's the like here's the the prissy redheaded girl, and here's the John Bender character who you know, who had been Hollywoodized enough. Well, that, that's
1: the what, what about you, dad guy?
0: Yeah, exactly. He'd been Hollywoodized enough so that the, the, the set dressers on the film were like, should we put a whiteout skull and crossbones on the back of his trench coat? No, that's too far. But, you know, he was... And, and the, the problem was, and this probably was true of you, we were all every one of those people in Breakfast Club. That was the, why the movie was successful. Every kid could look at every one of those kids. I think that's actually
1: the epilogue to the movie, yeah. I'm kind of... Oh, Yeah, when they go <laughs> walk by the goalposts, I think that's actually what... What it what reads? We're what, all every one well, of they're, these? They're all reading from the thing that they wrote, you know, for that uh, that guy oh, from uh, right. Trading Places. 48 yeah. Hours? Which one was he in? <laughs> yeah, that one guy. He, that was uh, the principal.
0: Wasn't he... Didn't he have a...
1: Didn't well, he do one of the great character with, actors.
0: Didn't he do a movie with a monkey?
1: He didn't. I think he was sodomized by a monkey. Oh, no, you're saying the guy that's like... Two months, I got you. Yeah, blender. you. you uh, say you get the bull, uh, bull. Mess with the bull, you get the horns. That guy. The bull, you get the horns. That's a great line. That guy's. That guy's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. He's the one. He's the one who does the jam up on. Uh, not to derail you, does the jam up on Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places. Great movie.
0: Right. Exactly. He does the. He does the jam up. He's the.
1: He's you the put detective. Your hand in the next guy's pocket. Uh-huh. He's the one. He's the one that the brothers bring in. Uh-huh. I love that. That movie is such a touchstone for. for a great- Huh. So, well, every time,
0: every every Christmas, I dress like uh, I dress like Santa, and I always put a full smoked salmon in my beard
1: <laughs> in homage. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, man, there's there's so much here. I like, and I I, I try not to talk about myself, but I totally I feel I, I feel the same way in two ways. First of all, at the time, uh, I wouldn't have done something. like... I told you about. I used to walk around with my members only epaulets uh, unhooked because I thought that was really. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, no, let me just be you're clear. Just, though you're just putting a little bit of extra flair on that thing. Uh, yeah, you're not yep. doing this. Hey, look at this. I got this uh, members only uh, jacket down at the, uh, you know, down at the flea market. So it's, it's not a real members only jacket. I got the I'm wearing knee pads. I slide down the halls on my knees, <laughs> and uh, it's a thing I do. And I, I thought I was like such an outsider. But the second part, that the really in retrospect, the part that's the real head head slapper, is the whole like, oh, you know, I. I wasn't really outside. It's the kids that I was sitting around making fun of that were really outside. Because I was extraordinarily, as much as I'd like to consider myself, like in retrospect, like a Peter Parker character or something, it wasn't. I was. I had a. I had a, a a ridiculously sarcastic and cutting wit that made a lot of people feel really bad. And I'm sitting around acting like I'm um, Judd Nelson. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I the,
0: uh, uh, speaking of to uh, graphic novels, I just received in the mail a very interesting graphic novel as a gift from somebody which is a book about going to high school with Jeffrey Dahmer hmm. and this uh, this comic book artist who's an artist that I'm that I'm familiar with from like alternative weekly magazines he's been he's been writing um comics for years and years and he's one of the you know he's one of the greats you would recognize his work but it turns out this guy coincidentally went to high school with Dahmer and was and wrote this autobiography, which is basically saying the same thing. Like we thought we were uh, real, you know, real nerds and outsiders, and Dahmer was our was our uh, was kind of our mascot. But in reality, Dahmer was messed up, and we and and we let him into our gang only enough that that he was kind of our pet because he was such a weirdo, mm-hmm. and we loved having this weird mascot that we could walk around school and like d- Dahmer imitated having cerebral palsy. And we all thought that was hilarious. And that was kind of our, it was one of our motifs. I mean, they went to school in the seventies, right? Before, but imit- before pretending to have cerebral palsy was considered.
1: Yeah. Before, before everybody was doing it. Uh, John backdorf. Yeah. Backdorf. Backdorf. Durf. All oh, right. Durf, Durf. He goes Durf. by Durf. Yeah. Apparently.
0: Um, and so this, uh, so this book is really, is is really heartbreaking because he's talking about Dahmer before he had, you know, when he was still out in the woods gathering animal skeletons, or he was still picking up roadkill before he had ever hurt anybody. And he's still like in that, you know, harming cats phase. Well, it was even before he was he was harming cats. He, he did just, a lot.
1: He didn't he do a lot of animal harming.
0: He ended up doing it, yeah, in, as a, you know, animal harming is kind of a gateway drug to, uh, totally. to, like, killing boys. But this was still when he was just picking up dead animals out of the woods and expressing, like, an unusual, unnatural fascination with them. Uh, but, so this guy is telling the story, and it's like, and he's looking back kind of with a feeling of responsibility, but also pointing a real finger at the adult's at the time and saying this kid was getting wasted drunk before school every day and trying in every way to cope with what was going on in his mind and he was being ignored by the by the faculty and the kids were just you know we let we let him into our gang because he was he was such a because he you know he reinforced our kind of like we're the we're the funny kids we're the we're the benders um,
1: well he, he might I mean like, to state the obvious, he probably seemed emblematic of the edginess they wished that they had, and having him around lent some of that uh, from a certain remove
0: yeah he was he he was a legitimate outsider, and they kind of like took as much of that as they were comfortable with on onto themselves. but as he says in his book, as Durf says in his book, like we never invited him over to our house we would we would hang out with him at the mall as long as he was funny and then we would stand there right in front of him and make plans for later in the night and not include him Mm. um but dahmer if you if you read his his own kind of after he was caught his own writings or his own confessions you know he's talking about the same period in his life where he is feeling these urges and trying to suppress them knowing they're wrong um
1: so where he he still had that kind of not distance exactly, but he could still see that what he was doing was, well, like, you know, it's one thing to say, like, there's certain people who have a certain kind of like deliberate cruelty, a kind of, if you like evil, where you're deliberately harming things or people just for the purpose of harming them and enjoying it. But he still had a a certain amount of remove. We might like feel a little bad about it. Oh, he felt terrible. And you know, and he, he, he was wrestling with the fact that he was gay
0: and he, and he couldn't, he couldn't uh, obviously admit that to anybody in 1977. But he also had this, he had this desire to be in complete control to, uh, of a living thing to the point that he would torture it and, and kill it. And he knew it was wrong. Um, but but it was an overwhelming urge, I guess. Uh, it ended up, certainly he ended up expressing that. hmm Um, But it was but there was to read this to read this graphic novel is to, you know, to be put kind of into this moment in this kid's life where you're like, oh, you there. It was still possible for someone maybe to have intervened and directed him in in like somewhere else instead of like when you first realize that your kid is collecting uh, roadkill in jars of formaldehyde in the barn. Out back of the house, like, do you have a talk with him?
1: Well, I or, mean, like, you notice your kid cries when they come home from church. Or you notice that they're not doing well when they sit in the back of the classroom. You try to put one and one together about these right. things that why they're not thriving.
0: Right, right.
1: Kind of, no, right? I no, mean,
0: yeah, and nobody did that in this instance. But I think about those Columbine kids in that same way. When that happened, I thought about myself in high school. And I was like, I was, you know, I was building pipe bombs with my friends and we were going out on weekends and blowing up parked cars. Really? Yeah. You, you've, and you've, not,
1: you've harmed parked cars? Yeah.
0: And it's not wow. a thing that I've ever talked about because I wasn't sure about the statute yeah, of limitations. limitations. <laughs> but I think it's passed on blowing up, th- on blowing up cars. But, you know, we, were, we, we learned, we all had the anarchist cookbook. And the anarchist cookbook is great except it doesn't really quite go far enough. We tried to make our own black powder. We realized after the after we had spent weeks and weeks working on a black powder mixture, we realized two things. One, we were making very effective smoke bombs, but that making black powder was harder than just mixing uh, three ingredients. Black powder is essentially three ingredients, but it's you, you don't just mix them in like rough quantities and stir it with a wooden spoon and
1: then you have black powder. Well, I mean, there's not that many ingredients to make Coke, but you got to know the right mix. You got to know the right mix. Right.
0: And so we had all these different black powder mixtures that we've been working on and they all turned out to be like basically smoke. They made smoke. They make, they made acrid smoke. And then we realized, you know what? They sell black powder at the Fred Meyer (laughs) because we live in Alaska and it's 1983 and people still are hunting with black powder muskets up here. What? It was a thing. Okay. It was a thing. Guys, <laughs> that should come to Portland just for what guys, right? guys were hunting with
1: muskets still. Locavores with with <laughs> blunderbusses. And,
0: and so you could go to the Fred Meyer and for like $5 buy a can of smokeless powder. And it wasn't even behind the counter. It was just out in the aisles. Wow. And there were multiple times Merlin, I swear to you, in the mid-80s where I would as a 15-year-old walk up to the checkout counter at a Fred Meyer with three cans of black powder, five lengths of of lead pipe <laughs> with end caps. No, no, no. Now, no. Yeah, and they would go... Do you need your receipt? Yeah, would you like your receipt, sir? That The total comes to 24 97 And I would walk out with a bag of what could only be bombs. I ended up getting expel- put in- put on double secret emergency pro- uh, suspension from school. Oh, they found it in your locker. They found it in my locker. You brought it to school. I brought it to school and <sighs> told the teacher about it because I was so oh, proud of myself that yes. I was making and selling pipe bombs. And and he was deeply disappointed. He was very disappointed in me. But we were using these bombs to to you know we were going out and 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 blowing things up. And. We were doing it very whimsically, um, but because you are a high school person, you do not have any judgment whatsoever. We had no sense that what we were doing was any different than, except that it was cooler than what any other kids were doing, you know, or that, that this was like, that, that, that this was just normal. I don't know, normal. I, don't, I stopped messing around with pipe bombs when I was, we were pulling away from a party one time. And we had gone to a party at a different high school and they, were, and, it, and they were like, it was a lame party and they were jerks to us. And we, we, we climbed in my car and we were leaving this party and my, my friend who had worse judgment than I did opened the glove compartment of my car and there was a pipe bomb in there. And we had figured out that if you went to the, if you, if you went to the, the gun store, if you didn't buy your black powder at Fred Meyer, if you went to the gun store where the guys were actually selling blunderbusses But they also sold cannon fuse, literal, like, fuse for your homemade cannon. (laughs) And so we bought bought 50 feet of this cannon fuse, and we stopped using the solar igniters from, from model rockets to electrically ignite our pipe bombs. And we just stuck fuse in them and started making, basically, pipe bombs you could light with a lighter. And I had one of these in my glove compartment, and this buddy of mine
1: as we're leaving this party just pulls it out lights it and throws it out the window like like an anarchist like you made like almost like one of those little bowling ball things you like lit a bomb and threw it
0: he He lit he lit a bomb that i that i had in in the the wisdom of my youth that i had in the glove compartment of my car (laughs) in case i needed it and he found it and had a lighter because we were smoking pot he had a lighter (laughs) in his hand and he was like oh check it out these guys at this party are assholes. He lit it and threw it out the window into the front yard of the house where there were 350 kids at this party. And as a teenager, I did the only thing that you could do, which was slam on the gas. And I'm screaming at him. What the fuck did you just do? And I'm, we're peeling out getting out of this neighborhood and I, and in my mind, I'm seeing that I've seen these bombs go off and I know that this is a yard full of kids. This is a house full of kids. This bomb is going to go off. It's going to break every window in that house and it is going to hurt somebody. It is going to kill somebody. And I'm like, I have never felt a dread like I did as I am driving away from this, as I'm peeling out away from this place And the and the guy next to me is like, ha ha ha, woo! Fuck those guys! And we get to the end of the block, and I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the ground to shake because these things are these pipe bombs we were making were
1: like real bombs,
0: and nothing happens.
1: And when they, I mean, not sorry, I don't know a lot about this. When it explodes, there's going to be the equivalent of shrapnel. I mean, there's going to be massive metal, hot metal flying through the air at hundreds of miles per
0: hour lead shrapnel that that i mean we 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 tested one of these i mean we we tested these things all over and the it uh, the, the 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 lead goes right through a car like like just peppers it and i'm sitting i'm sitting at the end of the block waiting to hear this explosion and and wondering like running down the scenarios running down basically running down me being brought in front of a courtroom and being asked to explain why I killed these kids and nothing happens and I wait <clears throat> a couple of minutes and I know how, you know I know how long the fuse was and I mean nothing happens so I turn the car around and we very slowly drive past this party and then everything is just Party's just going on, and out in the middle of the yard is this dud pipe bomb that didn't go off, and and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, what is my responsibility here? I don't want to run and grab this thing; it could go off at any moment. I don't want to stop and get out of the car and yell bomb. I don't want. I I want to be a half an hour ago and have this not happen.
1: And, I mean, but also, isn't there some part of you? At first, my first thought, sickly enough, was well, now it's evidence. It's not a bomb. Now it's it's evidence. It's got your fingerprints on it.
0: Well, except now it's just a. N- nine out of ten people are going to look at it and say, "What's this? Okay. Like, what's this length of pipe? Like, it doesn't. It doesn't." if you aren't in the pipe bomb making business, it doesn't even read as a bomb. It just reads as like, why did somebody put two end caps on a short length of pipe? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just sits there. It sits there throbbing in the lawn. And my friend is like, let's get out of here. It's a dud. And you know, and there are a lot of those things were duds. There's a lot of reasons why it it would have been a dud. It wasn't, it's not a surprise, but I, you know, I kind of parked down the block and watched the front yard of this party not knowing what to do and and continuing to choose wrong which is to sit there and watch it rather than go like run in there and say everybody out and it never went off and eventually i was like let's just you know put it put the car in reverse and like slowly backed away and went on with our lives but picturing how different my life would be if that bomb had gone off um and i and i don't mean to make that equivalent to the to those kids at columbine who who actively went into their school and shot a bunch of people but when that uh, when the columbine thing happened i i was able to put myself in their shoes pretty pretty easily because i could identify with those with the feelings that they had had and i mean i was a full full grown adult but i remembered i remembered feeling that way and i remembered um thinking that I was pretty that I was pretty cool and it was obvious those Columbine kids thought they were very cool and they went in and they killed a bunch of their their friends because they were teenagers and teenagers are stupid so
1: you really last- you don't have the you don't have the wiring i mean <clears throat> it's just not it's just not there i mean there are some people who maybe out of in my case maybe out of fear or the desire to be liked would, you know, quote-unquote, do the right thing. But, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, like transubstantiation or something. I mean it would, mm-hmm. it would be something where I'm like doing it because I believe that there's this thing. But I didn't I – was, I was very rarely a good person just because of some sense of ethics or doing the right thing. It was all the thought processes that went into almost everything I did at that age were, were really um, – even when I thought they were good, were really twisted yeah i don't think yeah. i don't I don't think most people i mean there, I think there's some ne- serious neurology behind this, but I think you just don't have the wiring at that age and in fact it's my understanding that when you are thirteen or fourteen especially i mean it's it's pretty bad i I think the basic wiring of a teenage boy at that age is pretty close to psychopathy
0: well and that's why uh, just the in most, the sense
1: of like not really having any sense of like the, what this means to the rest of the world right that's why the most dangerous
0: the most dangerous people on city streets are teenage gangbangers. If you see a twenty-five-year-old thug, he is so much more like a reasonable person. But if you see a group of fifteen-year-old gangsters, those those kids have no they have no limits, and and you know they are they don't believe that that their, their actions have consequences that's why they're you know that's why they're great soldiers but but they're the they're the worst citizens yeah i don't know i i feel like the i feel like this trail building <laughs> plan is is a solution like if i had if i had spent my junior high years building trail mm-hmm. ra- rather than sitting in school making pipe bombs that don't work and learn and learning the the many artistic uses of whiteout <laughs> i would have been a I, I would have been a better teenager i would have been a healthier 15 year old if i had done some hard work when i was a 12 year old and um i don't i i, I really i feel like that i feel like that we we have a there's starting to be a groundswell behind super train marlon <laughs> i'm yeah, feeling i'm it. aware
1: of this i mean what, what are we problem. doing really we're, we're we're a little bit like kelly except you know without the coat we're we're kind of writing a prescription for ourselves retroactively i know you don't believe in time travel but I, i'm just saying i or i suspect you don't but don't uh, talk to me
0: about time travel
1: okay i i i think uh i think that's part of it i think that i think that when we do almost anything as adults uh we're in some ways trying to compensate for something when we were younger yeah, I agree, but we need to start
0: figuring out we need to start implementing phase 1 of Supertrain. I mean, I guess we have been implementing phase 1. I think we need it's time to start
1: You're it's saying time to start it's graduating time to move beyond two. move beyond the whisper campaign. Yeah, I
0: mm-hmm. think people are ready and I and I and I feel like the longer we the longer we wait <sighs> the longer we wait the more you know uh, the more the, the a million voices are screaming out at once. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. Super train. Mm-hmm. See, I hmm, I don't know if we have time to go into this because I think there's there, I, I I would like to see, in as much as you're comfortable, just even seeing the, the I don't even want to see the pages of the plan. I just want to see the size of the plan, just roughly, because hmm. I imagine some of it is documented somewhere on some some cocktail napkins or <laughs> pieces of uh, plank or something. But <laughs> uh, but I mean, do you see it something it's, as it's written in out, So it's a it's it's a, it's a much bigger document
0: than it needs to be. <laughs>
1: That's so undignified. It's that's one thing to ind- write on your write on your duster make make a uh, on your uh, what what would you call it your World War One jacket
0: yeah yeah World War One trench coat
1: yeah so it's one thing yeah yeah I gotta tell you dusters dusters when I see a duster I just that's man that's well, I see when you see, I see dusters you know you see dusters yeah. do you see I know dusters you
0: yeah well that's the thing dusters are the dusters are the official coat of the software engineer who didn't get the memo <laughs> like the duster and the, and the Australian looking cowboy hat.
1: Uh-huh. hat. Yeah. Uh, the trouble, the, the, the troubling part is that the, 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 the memo has been delivered. It's just, he hasn't been checking that mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> the, the memo has been delivered often, at least weekly for, for yeah. some time now. And he's just a little behind on the newsletter. Yeah. So
0: especially when you see a guy in that hat and duster getting off the bus, <laughs> or you know or or waiting like waiting downtown uh, in line at a coffee cart <laughs> and you're like listen you are dressed you are dressed as somebody who should be riding a camel <laughs> you are <laughs> you are yeah you are seriously you are dressed for a post apocalyptic camel battle <laughs> <laughs> and you're waiting in line at a coffee cart